Well, what happens is when the economy starts turning down, that willingness for capital to be involved in these higher risky organizations starts dropping more and more. Right now, ChatGPT, the way that their ethics are is if you go in and you train this model, but you have to have a lot of human intervention to say, hey, this was not a good answer. Don't do that again. I did not set out for this to happen, but this is what happened. So I was I was filming some content and I was kind of doing it undercover because these dental offices don't like me coming in with cameras, which I've learned the hard way. Welcome back to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your co-host, Gary Bird. I am the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients for offices just like yours. My name is Tanner Applegate. I'm the CEO and founder of Unified Dental. We are a SaaS solution to help you centralize and consolidate all the different tools that you utilize in one place. Okay, so we got some juicy stuff to talk about. Some of this is uh, we're going to have to do use not use names because of legal reasons, but um, and then and then I have I have a thing that I did, Tanner. I was filming some content and I was doing a comparison between a two star office and a five star office. And what happened was kind of crazy. And I, I want to share it with you. I haven't posted it like publicly yet, but I'm going to. Um, but I want to pick your brain about it because I want to see if I might be viewing this the wrong way because something happened that I think was unethical. So I, and I, I want to chat about uh, we, it wouldn't be an episode of Gary and Tanner without talking about AI. So I want to talk about there's a company now that has like an AI constitution out. And I want to chat a little bit about that. All right, let's do it. Which topic do you want to do first? Which one's the most interesting? Uh, let's go into, I mean, we always like gossip, right? Let's start going into okay. the no-name yeah, gossip. Yeah, no-name so gossip. Have. Okay, so here's here's the gossip. Here's the tea in the dental industry. So I had somebody reach out to me and they said, Gary, watch for this, okay? And this actually started like end of last year. And they said, Gary, you're going to notice that a lot of people are changing their leadership teams. And a lot of people are changing, you know, people in high positions at their companies. And, and the reason for that is people are got underwater on debt and they're not able to make the payments and they're, they're in trouble, right? Which, which happens in business. But it's, but I was like, okay, didn't really think anything about it. That was the end of last year. But then I started to notice these companies were these big companies, really, really big. They should have boatloads of money, right? They, uh, someone posted on a board about this huge company, one of the biggest, not paying their doctors, not being able to pay their doctors is the way they presented it. I was like, okay, that's an anonymous post. Who knows, right? Might be true, might not. Then I'd had a conversation with someone else and they were like, this huge group, like over like 300, 400 locations, they're defaulting and they're going to do BK and they're going to restructure. Then I was talking to someone else and they had a whole nother, very similar story. And I started thinking through these conversations that I've been leading up to this and with the current state of the industry. And I know that these offices are under pressure. Uh, cost of goods are up. Uh, uh, employee uh, cost is up. Labor cost is up. And patients are no-showing more often. New patients, especially and existing patients, are buying less treatment. That's like a recipe for a disaster from a business standpoint because you're getting hit from every angle. Is this stuff like actually happening or is this just like rumors flying around because we're in this like negative environment from your perspective, Tanner? Sorry to disrupt the show, but I got something crazy to share with you. We are attempting to connect with all of our listeners. We have thousands of people that listen to this podcast, and we want to meet you in person. We have four events coming up, and I want to give you a discount code that you can use for the next week to save $300 off your ticket. 
The discount code is Gary Bird, and the link is going to be just down below. You can also go to smcnational.com forward slash events. I hope to connect with you in person and help each other grow our businesses. Can't wait to see you soon. No, I know for sure that it is happening. I've I've recently had to, I've been introduced or involved in fire sales of companies, right? Of DSOs where they weren't able to meet their obligations, their debt wouldn't refinance them. And so they ended up having to go underwater and getting their assets seized, et cetera. So here's kind of my take of why this is all happening right now, right? It, it, yes, it's because of a decrease in revenue of patients visiting. That's one piece of it. But honestly, I don't think it's the largest part. And when you get into capital markets where you're involved in like PE and or venture capital, what happens is you leverage your company now for future success. And so you're sitting there saying, we plan on spending more now because we know we'll be able to go and get more, raise more capital, right? Whether that be through selling our company or through going and getting new debt, et cetera. And so a lot of the times you start getting your expenses up right now with that intention of, okay, we're going to go ahead and fix this later. But what happens is when the economy starts turning down, that willingness for capital to be involved in these higher risky organizations starts dropping more and more, right? So like, just to put this into perspective, a if you were to go to just a bank and get debt finance there, what you'll see in a normal kind of bank debt financing is a risk ratio of like three times, right? So your income or your net pay, your debt to income ratio needs to be at about three three to four times, okay? These more leveraged DSOs, once they get into private equity, they have equity-based relationships as well, they can get leveraged up to 10, 20 times, right? And it's because that's just kind of how that market in that world works is we know that we're over-leveraged right now, but we're also getting an arbitrage on everything that we buy, right? Well, if you don't, if you can't sell, you can't capitalize on that arbitrage and you, and if you don't sell for a high enough multiple, then you're underwater to begin with anyway. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of these companies are getting to the point where they have to go in and transact, they have to get in new capital and that capital is just not there. They're not willing to do it. They're not willing to take on that risk so that it ends up creating this cash flow constriction within their organization where they've got to figure out other ways to make it work. Dude, that's crazy. And see, and the other thing that compounds this, Tanner, is that for so long, it's been like, hey, let's just buy these practices and then we'll just like make some improvements, you know what I mean? Some operational improvements or just minor improvements. And it'll be worth a lot more if we just do that. But they don't actually figure out how to actually grow the practice, right? Like it's not true growth. It's not like, hey, we're adding an associate. We're going to add 40 more new patients of this kind of patient mix. And this practice is going to be doing X amount more in revenue every single month. And now because of that, a lot of them never, I've talked to some big organizations that they've never learned how to do that. They're all, yeah, our marketing department just makes a website and we run some Google ads to it. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But what if you need 80 more new patients next month or a hundred more or, or even more than that, because your, 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 your costs are out of control. What do you do? Or you're then? losing 25% of your patients every time. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like operationally too. Yeah. yeah. And so if, if, if you don't have that, you don't build that overnight. That takes a long time to build, like a long time to learn how to build, even if everybody knows how to do it, because you're piecing together a bunch of things at a bunch of different levels, some at the DSL level, some are at the group level and some at the practice level. So yeah, I think this is going to continue to get worse. So is this going to be, we kind of watched this bank situation that like one bank and then two banks, and it kind of started impacting other banks. It seems like that kind of slowed down. Is it going to be that kind of situation where it's just going to be this trickle effect of like 
one after another? Or is it, do you feel like we're kind of saw a couple and that's all it's going to be? So I've done a lot of research into consolidations of entire industries, right? We, and that's what's happening right now, right? In the dental space is we're going through a consolidation of this industry. So if you look at industry consolidations before, there's like four phases that a lot of them have outlined. The second phase being inorganic growth, right? We go out there, we just start acquiring, acquiring, acquiring without mastering the skill set of what you're talking about, which is organic growth, right? Same store growth, et cetera. And that's a common trend in these uh, consolidations of industries. What ends up shifting though from phase two to phase three is a high consolidation of these groups, right? Like right now there is no dominant player in this dental. Like if you look at pharmacy, the dominant players are CVS and Walgreens, right? Like those are dominant. But if you look at dental, they're still easily like within the top 10, like maybe the top three have a lot of market share, but they don't own 20% of the market individually, right? They don't own 50% individually. And so there's still a lot of opportunity. This is what we're going to see is that because of this type of crisis, you're going to start seeing a lot of these kind of mid-level players starting to be gobbled up by these bigger players. And it will result in a lot more consolidation of maybe one or two very dominant players in the space. Do you ever hear people talking about this publicly? I've, I've never heard anybody like talk about this publicly. I've heard kind of behind closed doors, like, hey, here's what's going on. But it's a little bit of you want to keep it on the hush because what bigger companies rely on is still that multiple arbitrage. <laughs> So if they go in and preach out all these other mid-level companies that they're going to gobble up or going under, their multiple arbitrage goes down too. So it's actually, it's the best interest of the industry to keep it hush-hush because now, yes, there are these companies that are going under, but it's not sitting there impacting their next valuation when they go to market. So just keep it between you and me. Yeah, Yeah, smart. Okay, what do you want to talk about next? But for us, it doesn't impact us, so we can talk about it publicly. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Um, okay. So what do you want to go to next? You want to talk about, uh, the AI stuff, or do you want to talk about my experience of going to two different dental offices and potentially being finessed? Yeah. Let's chat about AI. It wouldn't be the same episode with that. Okay. So, um, few episodes ago or even a month ago now, we, there was a, the AI godfather left Google, right? There's, There's a guy that kind of helped build the models that we really depend on now for things like chat GPT, et cetera. So he's kind of lauded as the godfather of AI, very instrumental in it. And he left Google because of his concerns, right, about the ethnic, the ethics around AI, right? And so he ended up leaving. And this is something that kind of triggered me because you hear that a lot about, hey, we're concerned about what the future potential of AI is. Um, I went and did a little bit of research. There's a company called Anthropic, which is getting a lot of traction where they're creating a model which is different from what ChatGPT is because right now ChatGPT, the way that their ethics are is if you go in and you train this model, but you have to have a lot of human intervention to say, hey, this was not a good answer. Don't do that again, right? So you have to put constrictions around specific interactions, what you can and can't do yeah. as a language. As model. an example, like you can't like, hey, I want to build a bomb to blow up a city block or whatever. Right. Like you can't. So don't do anything that has to do with bombs, yeah. right? And then there's ways, everyone figures out ways around this, right? So it's always kind of saying you you have to go in and find the hole before you can patch the bandaid, right? There is no ability to be able to kind of cohesively or, or interactively kind of do it in general. So Anthropic has released their, what they consider, which is different from ChatGPT's AI constitution. 
So when they train their model, they're training their model off of guiding principles and not specific rules, right? So it's, it's more about, hey, how do you become a good positive force for AI instead of like, here's everything that you can't do, right? And the funny thing is, is like, I feel like this is like parenting, right? Like if you go in and set rules for your kids of everything that they can't do, they're going to find the thing that they can do, which you don't yeah. want them still yeah. to do and go in and do it. Yeah. And just be like, sorry, the, you told me not it's to. It's the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Right. Yeah. So they've gone in and said, we're going to train an AI to be focused on the spirit of the law. And so I was really excited about that and interested. Now I'm, I'm following them to see how it goes. What are your thoughts on that style of AI? Man, I don't, who knows, man? Like I, I at this point, this stuff is so crazy that, that we're playing with that. I, I, I just, I hear some of these bigger guys, when I say bigger guys, I mean like Elon Musk and, and, uh, um, Google. And they're like, we better start regulating this heavily. And if we don't, we're going to be in big trouble because we're going to be, you know, these AI robots are going to destroy humanity and we have no idea what we're getting into. And then on the other side, I'm, you know, over here saving a bunch of time because I'm using all the tools. So it's like, I don't, I'm so torn on it. I don't know what I don't know. And right now I'm not scared at all. It's just, I'm hearing these warnings and I can understand why those warnings are there. But I don't know if this solves that because all it is, it's kind of like, you know, the topic that we had when we brought in all the people around AI for dental and we we're like, yeah, all these dental offices should have AI because that's going to solve, you know, the treatment planning and over treating or under treating. But then we basically came to the conclusion not really. It's only going to solve it to the point where what kind of dentist is loading the information in it and setting those landmarks. So we really just end up back at square one unless there's consensus. And as a society, we don't have a consensus of what this stuff should or shouldn't be doing. So how do you how do you even load the spirit of the law into it? You know what I mean? That it, it just is like this circular reasoning in my brain. Maybe I just don't get it. Yeah. And I agree. I think that to the finite details, there is some limitations to be able to say like, hey, this is good and this is not good. And that will always be an issue. But to me, I think that there are still some general understandings or principles that as a human society, we can agree on, right? Like if AI decides to eliminate all humans, us as humans can agree that's not a good idea. And we probably don't want that to happen. Yes. Right. And so there are some things that I think that we can kind of mutually agree that we got to figure out all together, right? Like if AI is able to go in and program itself into creating an atomic bomb, right? Like that is something that we should all be concerned which about. I, but, which we are, right? But what if, but, but all it takes is one person to be like, eh, I kind of want to, I would like to destroy all the earth or I would like to set, like scare people in, with nuclear bombs with blah, 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 blah. Like all it takes is one bad apple. And that's true. But the reality too of creating a, AI model is not something that it can be done at home right yeah, now. Yeah, got it. I follow. Right. Yep. The amount of information, the amount of stuff, et cetera. And so right now, honestly, too, the biggest hard, the biggest constraint is actually hardware to be able to do it. And there are very few and only really kind of one that company that a lot that has the technology for that. Yep. Right. And so if you're able to funnel it through this kind of bottleneck and say, at least we can regulate or even monitor what's happening across these companies then there is still some type of funnel. But once you get to the point, though, if you were to depend on regulation or country-specific regulation, to me, that's a recipe for disaster to monitor it. Because if that were to, I mean, if we were to go in and highly regulate in America, it doesn't mean that China won't go and figure it out yeah. or India won't yeah, go yeah. and figure yeah. it yeah. out, right? And so if regulation is not the key. To me, it is 
starting from the very beginning of how do we train these models to begin with and making sure that we're doing that in an ethical way. Is there any other parallel industries that we've had come out over? Is it like, I, I think of like cars and seatbelts where it was like, when my, my parents always told me, when I was a kid, we didn't even have seatbelts in the back seat. We just laid down on the, on the floor of the station wagon and it was just like, you put babies in their little things and just sat them there. There was no seatbelts. But then there was regulation that came out like, no, you have to put seatbelts in every car if it's going to be made. But is it, is it to that level or is it totally different? If you look at seatbelts, though, seatbelts still aren't required in other countries. Uh. Right. So now we're talking from a global world, not just like a national that changes everything. To me, I think where I have seen um, this level of regulation or kind of consensus is the Internet. Yeah, like children uh, being her online and black web exists and it is available but there's still like within the mainframe of internet there have gotten to be a lot of like regulations that most countries abide by there are still some that don't that's why the dark web can and does exist but the reality is is like even something as simple as like domains right there's only a finite amount of domains and the people and the ability to be able to sell those type of domains has been something that has become available across the world that everyone kind of agrees to. Yeah. Right? Like I can't go out and buy a dot Tanner Applegate domain because it's not something that like worldwide standards has agreed will exist. Yeah, I follow you. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll keep updating everybody here and let you know if, uh, if we think the end of the world will be in the next 90 days. So we'll, we'll keep you up to, up to date. Um, okay. So I'm going to drink party. Be merry. I'm going to share a crazy story with you, Tanner. So sure. this I did not set out for this to happen, but this is what happened. So I was, I was filming some content and I was kind of doing it undercover because these dental offices don't like me coming in with cameras, which I've learned the hard way. So I said, I want to compare a five-star dental office versus a two-star dental office. And I want to see what the differences are and like how they treat me and all that kind of stuff. So I go in, no insurance. I told them, yeah, hey, it's been probably four months since I've been to the dentist, got my teeth clean. Just want to check up. Let me know how, let me know how I'm doing. So I went to the two-star office, or first I went to the five-star office, and I went through that whole process. Then I went to the two-star office and went through that whole process. Now, keep in mind, I go to, I actually go to a Pacific Dental office, like for my regular checkups. So I go there every four months. I get my teeth cleaned. So I get my teeth cleaned three times a year. They're constantly monitoring. I've gotten my Invisalign there. Um, I've had like some minor work done, but nothing, nothing crazy, right? And so... They, and they're always like, hey, Gary, you're really healthy. You're doing a good job. Keep water picking, keep flossing, keep brushing with your electric toothbrush, right? And I'm always, is there anything else I need to do? Anything work I need done? And everything's been good. So I go to the five-star office first and I go in, they're quick, take x-rays. Doctor's like, you need multiple fillings. We're going to need to take all these old fillings out, put all new fillings in. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then I, I walk out. So I'm like, okay, I'll talk to you guys later. Then I go to the two-star office. Dennis is same thing, go through the process. They actually had better equipment, better office, which I was kind of surprised by. Um, go through everything. And the doctor's like, you're good. You don't need any work done. You can do some teeth whitening. Your teeth could be a little bit whiter, but that's it. There's, you don't need any work done. You're good. So instantly I'm like, man, am I getting finessed? But then in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm going to ask Tanner because is this just like personal opinion? Like, yeah, you need fillings. Yeah, you don't. Or is this just them fishing for work to be done? To me, this is the skill set of the running a business is a different skill set than doing dentistry, right? So if I'm an individual dental owner and I love and am passionate about clinical, chances are like 
I may not be the charismatic guy that's going to end up with a good front office. There's going to be ha- something happening in the billing where we're going to piss people off in the billing aspect and they're going to leave us negative reviews. But I know that from a clinical side, like this is a grade A dentist, maybe a little awkward, may not be able to present treatment well, but they're going to do an amazing job clinically, right? Whereas on the flip side, you can get a super extremely charismatic doctor that knows how to talk to patients, runs a great team, et cetera, but they've optimized for every dollar coming in and their clinical their clinical uh, expertise, I guess, may be something that may not be something that you you jive with, right? So, but this is also, so that's one aspect of it, I think, in my mind, is the, the business acumen side of it. The second aspect of it, though, is that the realm of what is ethical and not ethical in clinical treatment, right? So if you think about, like, there are dentists who feel like if it is not a perfect smile, then it is not a good mouth. Like you need to go in and fix everything until you have a perfect yeah. teeth, right? There's others that are like, we're going to do everything in our preventative measure to just make sure that you're not in pain, right? And so they're willing to watch things forever until like there might be an issue. Like one of my partners, his, his, his uh, pitch was the ideal time to fix this is right before it gives you pain. We don't know when it's going to give you pain. And so we recommend getting it done now. Yeah. Right. And so that's really kind of like the guiding principles that I've understood is like, okay, there are where a dentist feels comfortable of what needs to be done is on this range, right? A perfect smile is not bad, but that is a different type of dentist than somebody that's in there to prevent pain or any kind of discomfort like that. Yeah. Which is super hard for the patients to navigate, right? Because in my head, I, I understand some stuff about dental, right? A little bit just because I've been doing it, but I don't clinically, I don't get it. But like, I'm like, why can this dentist and this dentist agree I don't need any work and this dentist, it's like, no, you need all these fillings out and replace. Like, that's a big gap between, no, you're super healthy. Everything's great. Don't even, nothing to be concerned about versus the other option. It's just a, such a big gap. And it, and it, it shocked me. Like, I, 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 I've, we've talked about it. We've seen it before, but it actually shocked me where I was like, okay, the five-star dentist is recommending a lot more work and the, the two-star dentist wasn't. So anyways, I thought that was fascinating. My- to me, I think that everyone kind of goes into their own internal bias of what they want and the doctors do the same thing when they prescribe. But like, for example, my go-to dentist for a long time was a, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of you as if I want to be taken care of, which is like, let's wait and see. And my wife got that. She was great and happy at the time. But then as we ended up moving, she ended up with an incident where she did end up with pain, right? And she ended up having to get a lot of more extra work. And so she's like, I wish they would have just taken care of it mm-hmm. before instead of waiting for it to be done because she ended up getting busy with life, ended up not going to the dentist as much as she needed to or should have. And now all of a sudden she ends up with this problem. But if they would have fixed it beforehand when they knew that there was at least a potential of an issue, she's like, so for me, I want, I know that I may not be hundred percent compliant and coming every six months. And so I want to make sure that if there is something that could turn into it, I want to get it done before and not later. Yeah. And I think the lesson for me here as a patient is when I go to the dentist or a doctor and say, is everything good? And they're like, yeah, everything's great. You might want to ask more questions or vice versa. Everything's wrong. You might want to ask more questions, right? So that, that that's the scary part for me as a patient is like, how do I find the truth of what I actually need? Yeah. The problem to, to me, I think if everything's okay, yes, asking more questions can clarify things like, hey, what might come wrong? Like if we were to look at this like in two years, what do you think could be a potential issue? Like I think uh, that's good. 
if you're on the other extreme where they're diagnosing everything, only pro the only way to really be able to fix that is kind of like what you did, which was getting a second opinion, right? Like you can't come in and say, okay, if you, if you were to tone this down, which ones would you say I need to get done? Like a lot of the times they're like, no, you need to, yeah, you need like, all this is an urgent yeah. thing. You need it right now. Yeah. Right. So, and the problem with that though, is now all of a sudden you've wasted your dental insurance, like not you, yeah. but I'm saying you've spent your dental insurance to go and get them. If you go in and do it at another office, you may end up paying out of pocket, which you don't want to do. Um, and so it's something just to consider that, but do, but do understand that if the clinical style is not your style, like make sure you change. Like a lot of people do it out of comfort where they just sit in there and they're like, okay, I'm willing to dish out the 10 grand because my dentist says it because I'm too uncomfortable to go in and find another office. Yep. All right. Good stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, man. You have a good one. Tip. Peace.